Welcome, friends, to another episode of Making Lemonade with Wit and Kelts. Today we get to talk to Ricky, and he tells us all about um, him and his wife and their journey with cancer. They were both diagnosed as teenagers and got married and just, oh, like everything they've been through mm-hmm. with a cancer diagnosis. Can I can't even imagine. Can you? No. And he has had cancer twice. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. No. I can't imagine being newlyweds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I especially newlyweds because mm-hmm. like that's a whole trick in itself, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's a trick, guys. I know. <laughs> being an adult is a trick. So yeah, it was, I don't know. He did really well. It was a good story. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I hope it inspires you guys. I do too. I hope and you love it. He is, he has such a good attitude about mm-hmm. all of it. So yeah, hope you guys love it as much as we do. And thanks for tuning in. Welcome, Ricky. We're so excited to have you on our podcast today. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where your story begins? Okay. So like you said, obviously my name is Ricky. Uh, I am, I just turned 23 and my story begins when I was a 15 year old boy back in high school. Um, kind of on top of the world thinking that I was awesome and everything and <laughs> uh, playing, playing basketball. And I was pretty popular soul and I was pretty good. You know, I was starting for all the sophomore and JV teams. And I was on the varsity team as a fresh, as a freshman. And then, um, then one day things didn't, uh, didn't look so good. I was just getting really sick and really slow. And my parents were like, what the heck's happening? Something's wrong with our boy. Um, and I just kind of, I wasn't myself anymore. And as a 15 year old kid, you can lose confidence and steam really quickly. Mm. Um, and so I was getting worried because I felt like I was losing who I was as a basketball player, losing the reputation I had as a kid. And, uh, I had a surgery scheduled because I had an injury and my dad, my dad's a a good soul, but he's always one of those souls. That's like, you'll figure it out, rub some dirt on it. Right. <laughs> You're not, he's not going to baby you or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom's a little bit like that too, but she gets a little protective when her kids aren't feeling good. Um, but essentially how we found out that, things weren't good with me is that I was out in the yard doing some work one day. Um, I was digging dirt with my dad and I stuck a shovel in the ground and I couldn't pull the shovel out. And then I just kind of collapsed onto the ground. Oh wow! Um, and, and this is, this is going to make my dad sound like a jerk. I love my dad to death, but he says, get up son. And I was like, I can't. And then my mom's like, Hey, like, take it easy. Look at him. He doesn't look so good. My dad's like, do you see what I'm working with? you calling me like a sissy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom's like, he's not good. So we went and got a blood test done to make sure I was healthy before the surgery. Um, and they're like, we'll call you in a few days. And then they called us back two hours later and said, we need you to come in. Um, as a 15-year-old kid, you know, you don't really have too many thoughts going through your head. But when my dad was there, because um, he left work early to meet with the doctor too, I knew something was, was up. Mm. And, you know, conversation went, you know, they took the dad, my dad back. And then 10 minutes later, they brought my mom and I back and my dad was, was already crying. And, and it was just pretty simple. He said, um, son, you have leukemia, you've got cancer. Um, so that, 
that was scary for me Mm because at the time I didn't know really what that meant. Um, And obviously I feel like the natural response for any normal kid is, am I going to die? And, and at that point you would hope that your parents would say, no, you're going to be fine. Everything like that. And, and, my dad being the man he is just said, I don't know. Um, and so, so my life changed that day. My, my plans for what I thought my world were changed that day. And I had to make adjustments along the way. Mm-hmm. And so I remember that, you know, I'm the oldest of eight kids. Um, they didn't even give me enough time to go home and say goodbye to all my siblings. Like I got home, packed my bag a few family members showed up um, to tell me goodbye. I got a hug like two of my siblings and I was on my way to the hospital. Um, so yeah, everything happened rather fast and, and my world changed in the blink of an eye. Wow. And um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just supposed to ramble here for a whole hour. If you guys <laughs> want to interject, but um, no, you can ramble. We'll interject. That's that's kind of that's kind of where it started, and I remember that drive. My family lives in Orem. I remember that drive up to Primary Children's Hospital. Um, and I thought I thought that was the longest drive of my entire life. Mm. Um, how were you feeling? Like, were you good? Terrified? Were you? I, I had no clue what to feel. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like this numb feeling of. Okay, I, I kind of understand what's going on, but I don't. Mm-hmm. But I know it's not good. And so you're you're expecting something that you don't know what to expect, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember like my whole life flashing before my eyes and having all of these wonderful memories and moments that I thought were amazing. And um, it just seemed like forever. And, you know, here I am years later looking at that drive and I'm like, oh, that's like 10 minutes. But mm-hmm. it's longer than 10 minutes. It's just you get used to it. But mm-hmm. Um, what really stuck with me and what changed my perspective and my outlook on what my next few years were going to look like is I remember standing outside of the hospital after we just pulled up and I had, you know, gotten out of the car. My dad got out of the car and we're looking up at the hospital where it says primary children's and, and my dad just came up to me and put his hand on my shoulder and said, son, you've got a choice to make right now. You can either curl up in a ball and die, or you can rise up and you can beat this thing. So rise up. And so from then on forward, I had a smile on my face the entire time. I walked in and I was waving and introducing myself to every single nurse and doctor and person that I saw. And and their faces were like, what the heck is this kid doing? Like, he just got diagnosed with cancer. Why is he happy to be here? Mm-hmm. Um but that, but that changed my, that changed my perspective instantly. Cause I was like, yeah, you're right. Like feeling sorry for myself right now isn't going to help me mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. That's so, pretty big I mean, for a 15 year old. Yeah. To understand. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, I think, like I said, the way that my parents raised me, I, I am very, very grateful. You know, I've mm-hmm. always, I always knew they loved me. I always knew that they cared for me and, and they wanted what's best for me. And, and I credit my personality and my ability to overcome things to them um, because they gave me the right tools. And then it was just time for me to figure it out. And, you know, being the oldest of eight, I felt that responsibility of, Hey, I'm still a big brother. I've got, you know, I've got to be an example to them. And, 
uh, I don't know how I did it. I don't know how in the world I was able to keep a positive attitude the entire time. Um, you know, I'm a religious person and I know that I wasn't the only one that was contributing to my strength there, but, um, I believe that, that God was involved in my ability to fight every day. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot as a 15 year old kid and, and looking back on it, uh, I'm grateful for that you know, because it made me who I am today. So yeah, I think yeah. a positive but, attitude changes everything, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can't I can't tell you how many times I've I've been up there and I've seen people who have faith that everything will be okay or or have faith that there's a plan um and the treatment plan for them looks so much different than the people who are bitter and sorry and think that the world's against them. Yeah. And I think that was one of the the, the biggest things that I noticed while I was up there is that like you need good vibes. You need good, good energy and good attitude to get through that crap. Cause it's so negative just in general. Cancer, mm-hmm. cancer yeah. is not a positive thing. Right. And, and it's only going to make you suffer more if you're willing to succumb to, I'm allowed to be angry. I'm allowed to be sad. I'm allowed to be, you know, this and that. And, and that just wasn't ever an excuse that I gave myself. And I had hard days. There's days where you're like, man, I don't want to do this. This sucks. And yeah, don't get me wrong. Cancer's not fun, mm-hmm. but, but there's different ways to go about it that I think can make your journey a lot easier. Mm. It's probably um, a lot easier said than done to mm-hmm. always have a for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 But one foot um, in front of the other. Yeah. Yes. One day at a time. Uh, but yeah, fast forward, you know, that was, that was February 24th of 14. Uh, wait, no, I don't, February 14th or 24th. I don't remember right now. I'm blanking, but, <laughs> um, and I, and I'm pretty blessed cause my treatment, uh, it kicked my booty, mm-hmm. but, uh, I came away pretty untouched. Um, and then about a year and a half after I was diagnosed, I went up there for a checkup. And, um, I remember just being excited to get there and see my doctors and all that stuff and tell them how good I was doing. You know, I was back at the high school playing just months after the doctors told me I was never going to play again and feeling pretty good. Um, and then one of the nurses comes in and they're like, Hey, Ricky, come out into the hallway real quick. And so I'm just sitting here in my room, minding my own business, dancing to hotline bling by Drake. (laughs) And, um, and I come out into the hallway and the door across mine is open and there's a, a cute little girl that's bald and skinny and just sitting there covered in, in a giant sweater and sweats. And I said, oh, look at that. You know, she's she's a cute girl, a little bit younger than me. And the nurse kind of just said, you know, Ricky, this is Alexis. Alexis, this is Ricky. And um just and you know my wife likes to joke and say that they broke HIPAA which I don't I, I have a hard time with HIPAA like I feel like I understand it but I'm like man if it helps somebody like talk about it please you know I don't care throw my name out there um but yeah so they introduced us and you know me being healthier at the time and my hair was back and I was already a six foot two kid and, and looking strong she kind of didn't trust that I was a cancer patient um, so she's just kind of like, so what kind of cancer did you have? 
Uh, and I was like, well, I had leukemia and trying to make it seem like a big deal, a little that I know what she was going through at the time. Um, but uh, essentially, I tried to show off that I was a good-looking teenage boy <laughs> and, uh, you know, feeling pretty good. And everyone, like, I don't I don't know if you guys are familiar with, with cancer and some of the things they put into your body, but there's ports. They have these little ports um, that go into your chest where they inject the chemo and all the other medications or blood transfusions to make it easier for the body. Um and so it's right on your chest. So instead of pulling my shirt down from the collar, I pulled my shirt up from the bottom, right? All the way up so I could show off my <laughs> shredded 16-year-old body. Oh my God. Um, Did she love it? And, uh, and I, I was like feeling really good about myself. And she, she says now that she loved it. But in the moment, it was rather embarrassing because she's like, oh, yeah, I have one of those port scars, you know. And, and it's like, what, maybe two inches across your chest, not big. Mm-hmm. And she goes, yeah, I have one of those scars and lifts her shirt up right to like under her chest as well. And, and uh, she goes, but I also have one of these. And she's sitting there and she's got this gigantic scar that goes from like her left hip bone all the way up to the right side of under her chest. And then a massive scar oh. right down her sternum to her belly, like past her belly button. And it's just mm-hmm. bright red. Mm-hmm. And I was so embarrassed. I was like, yeah, yours is way cooler. And just like lifted my shirt back down, really embarrassed, like a dog holding their tail between their legs. Um, and that was that was the start of our friendship, honestly, uh-huh. is me trying to show off. Um, and her having a beat. And then, yeah. And, and, I, and I didn't, honestly, didn't even think about it for a few weeks. Like, I remember thinking, oh, she's cute. You know, I know she's going through cancer. And I, I remember you know, hoping that I would met some, somebody my age up there because all the kids up there are little mm. and like infants. Um, but anyway, one day I get a message on Instagram and it was from Alexis. I guess I should have said her name. My wife's name's Alexis. She had neuroblastoma. Um, oh. I think we and, had another neuroblastoma on here, right? Did we? Oh, really? I Another child. My, yeah. I can't remember which you, my brain is mush. So I apologize well, to the person. Inter- <laughs> oh no, you're good. I I don't know. I can't remember. But we've interviewed a couple parents of children, and I think we had another one. But I could be wrong. Anyways. Well, one of my wife's one of my wife's darling, best friends and and girls that she loved. Uh, her name was Annika Rounds, and she had neuroblastoma. Okay. And Annika passed just over a year ago. Oh darn it! From it, so. We've we've been around we've been around plenty and we've seen a lot of our cute friends go. And um, how old was Alexis when she was diagnosed? She was 15 when she was diagnosed. Okay. So for her for her that was pretty rare because neuroblastoma is a they call it a baby cancer or an infant cancer. Oh. And so for her to get it as late as she did um, was was pretty miraculous in the first place. Yeah. Um. But. She handled it like a champ. Um, and yeah, I mean, our, our friendship, our friendship really didn't seem like anything at first. You know, she messaged me on Instagram, not really knowing how to start the conversation up between the two of us again. She just asked if I'd ever had radiation. Uh-huh. Like she takes so much, she takes so much pride in that. She's like, that was the greatest pickup line of all time. I was like, <laughs> no, that was the stupidest pickup line of all time. Um, 
my gosh. But, you know, I just, we, we just started the chat and I just started to show up and be her friend at the hospital because I know, I know how hard it is to not have friends. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone, everyone's around for the first week or two. Everyone wants to come up and see, uh, and they want to take a picture and post it on their social media. Mm-hmm. But then everybody, except for those few that really care for you dip, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and knowing her, her history and what she'd already told me, I was like, man, like, she needs a friend. And so, um, I just, I just purely went up there to have fun with her every now and then. And, and it was, it was a healthy friendship where she knew she had somebody who experienced what she's going through. And it was a way for me to go back there and feel like I was making a positive impact. And it just turned into a friendship. Um, I got to speed it up, though, because we got to get to the stuff you guys really want to talk about. <laughs> You're doing um, just great. Long, long story, long story short, um, Lexi was working through her treatment. Uh, I, I got, you know, into remission and all that stuff. I graduated my senior year early and I left on an LDS mission. Um, and Lexi and I were still really good friends at the time. And uh, about four months into my mission, I just woke up one morning with the the strongest impression that I was going to marry Alexis. And, and that was so strange to me because I'm like, I'm four months into my mission. I've got another year and change to go, like just getting started. Why the heck now? You know, a little bit frustrated. I'm like, leave me alone. Like I'm doing good. Um, I don't want to think about this yet. And, uh, anyway, so I, I, you know, I had that experience four months in and Alexis was still pretty sick at the time, but she'd, she'd finished treatment, but her body was still working through the, the effects of it. Um, and then at my eight month mark, I went in for a checkup just to have my blood drawn and my cancer came back. Um, Dang it. Mm-hmm. So, so were you on your mission then? I was on my mission. You... Yeah. And I remember, I remember leading up to it, you know, my appointment was on a Friday and I remember that Monday morning, um, like the vibe just was a little bit different. I mm. hadn't been feeling any different physically. I mean, it was winter time. And so everyone was feeling a little bit under the weather, but I felt normal. Um, but I remember Monday comes around and like, I'm sitting there during my study time and I'm like, Hey, you know, cancer was a big part of your life you should write down every part of like every memory that you can remember um just so you have like a journal so i remember sitting there during my study time and instead of studying the lessons for that day or um or reading the scriptures i sat there and wrote down 116 different memories that i had from cancer and i was like i don't know why that was so important today but i did it and then tuesday rolls around and i'm reading an article about missionaries returning home early and how they cope with it. I'm like, okay, that's a little weird, but why does that sit so well with me? And then Wednesday rolls around and, you know, as I'm going throughout the course of the day, something else brings up cancer again. And I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And by Thursday evening, after we'd finished our day, I'm laying there in my, my bed and my companion's laying in his bed and we're talking and it hits me. I'm like, oh my gosh, my cancer's back. Wow. Like, it's back and we woke up that Friday morning and it was a two hour drive to where my appointment was going to be. And I didn't bother to pack anything. I didn't want to seem suspicious. I didn't bother to tell him, which looking back on it now, I don't know which way would have been better. Um, but right before we left the apartment, you know, we, we gathered to say a prayer and 
he just turns and looks at me and says, Elder Stafford, I have a feeling that today's going to be a really long day. Mm. And I was like, I was like, don't jinx it. And just kind of mm. smiled and we gave each other a hug and said our prayer. And, you know, we get down there and sure enough, the cancer was there. <sighs> um, so that's, that's how I got started again the second time. And I wasn't allowed to travel home to Utah because the cancer had come back with a vengeance. And they were scared that if I got on the plane that I'd die. Um, they were convinced that I needed to get treatment right away. Um, and I was in Boston. Okay, that was my next um, question. I wanted to know where Yeah, you were. so I was, my, my, my mission was in Boston, um, but the hospital that I went to was in Connecticut. And they said, okay, you have a choice to either go to New York or to Boston to get treated because um, New York was closer. And so we went to New York to get treated and um, just to get ready into it again. And, and a few weeks into my treatment out there, Alexis flew out and came and saw me and um, spent a day or two there. And I kissed her without letting her know what my thoughts were. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of said, this is happening. Right. So anyway. How, how was she like with all of her stuff going on? How was she feeling she when she was, flew out to you? She was pretty, pretty frail and sick still. Mm. Um, you know, cancer really beat the snot out of her. I got pretty darn lucky. Like to this day, I still don't have anything that I can say, yeah, cancer really took that away from me. Um, Alexis, on the other hand, her body's been through the ringer and she, you know, we're like, we're like complete opposites in what it looks like to come away from treatment. And that, that sounds so bad to say, but Everything that could go wrong essentially happened to Alexis. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's, if it's a rare side effect, Alexis got it. If it's a rare chance that, you know, this is going to happen, it happened. And for me, I never, I never had a situation like that. And so, um, when she flew out to New York, she was, she was so tiny. Um, like, I think, I think she didn't even weigh a hundred pounds. Um, and her hair was just barely getting past her ears. And, um, she, I mean, if you guys were to see pictures, you know, it was, it was a pretty funny, um, time for us, but we were both at pretty, pretty opposite extremes. You know, I was on my mission healthier than ever. And then I gained like 30 pounds of water weight and fluff and here's Alexis on the other side of the spectrum just scrawnies all get out and um but yeah I was I was so grateful when she showed up because I knew what I'd remember you know experienced four months into my mission I was like okay this is happening this is starting right now um and I remember I didn't even wait a week from the time that she flew out there and I called her mom said how long do I have to wait to ask your daughter to marry me uh, mind you, mind you, she's still, she's still a senior in high school at this point, And like, this is December. So she's got like four or five more months of school. Mm. Um, and I just, I totally didn't care. I was like, Nope, that's my person right there. I'm going to get her. I know I have cancer. I know I have nothing to offer her, but this is happening. Um, so yeah, so we went and got married and I made it through my treatment and, in September was our three year mark and it's been full of ups and downs um, all the time just because of the side effects from cancer. Mm, I can't even imagine mm -mm, like 
what your guys's medical schedules look like. No. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long were your treatments the second time around though? How long were you in the hospital um, and all that? So I was, I was diag- diagnosed in December, December 1st or something like that. I want to say. And I was done with treatment, I think in July, that following year. And did you? So I think my treatment the second time around was only like seven months or something like that, but I got a bone marrow transplant. Um, so the treatment was, was much more intense. You know, I had to get radiation, which is my least favorite thing in the world. Um, so, so yeah, my treatment was pretty extreme, pretty aggressive, really quick. I'm like the first time where it was, um, pretty low key and it just took a little bit longer. To so get through it. were you in, in New York this whole time from December to July? No, they let, you come home? Uh, they let me come home after the cancer started to shrink mm. in my blood. Um, it, it, they, I think it was like four or five times that the amount of what I had the first time I was diagnosed. So they were freaking out pretty seriously. And, and once we got it to a point of, um, they feel comfortable with me flying home. I flew home. So that was like the second week of, of January. So I was in New York for about a month and a half. Okay. Um, and then from then on out, I went back to primaries to finish my treatment. Um, even though I was over 18 and everything like that, my whole team was there and I definitely didn't want to go to the adult hospital. And so, um, yeah, it was it was quite the adventure for sure. Jeez, what a ride. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you've so, been in remission sorry. since then? Uh, yeah, cancer. Uh, I, I, I struggle remembering the terms, but like I finished treatment in 2019 officially with all my oral chemo and everything. Okay. Um, and yeah, I've, I'm in rem- I've been in remission since then. Cancer free is the one I was thinking of, but you don't, you're never, you're not cancer free until you hit your five year mark or something like that. Um, so yeah, we're, I mean, life's great right now. I can't, I can't really complain. <laughs> like I feel, I feel healthy. You know, like I said, I don't really have any lasting effects from, from the treatment. Um, but Lexi, Lexi definitely does. And, and, you know, we've had our fair share of scares and moments of this isn't good with her that have really kept us um, engaged in, in um, I don't know how to say this. You know, some people get tr- get cancer or get, get sick and then they forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, or something bad happens and they forget about it. And for us, you know, we're not the type of people that want to forget about it. We try to be actively engaged, but we haven't made it out with her. Mm. Um, we're still very much in it. Can you? And so it's an everyday adventure there as well. Can you tell us what like her life looks like right now? Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you were to meet my wife, she is a super trooper. Okay. Um, she is, she is amazing and inspirational. Um, and from the outside looking in, you would never be able to tell that she's sick. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's beautiful. Her hair's growing back and it's all long and gorgeous. Um, you know, the only tell that, that you would have if you don't know her is that every now and then you can see her stomach tube hanging out from under her shirt or occasionally she's being wheeled around in a wheelchair at activities. Um, but her her medical struggles really kicked up 
a few months after we got married. You know, she was she was the healthy one in our relationship um, for all the way up until we got married, and and then the first few months. <clears throat> um, but then we had a scare like three months after we got married and they said that her cancer came back and it wasn't back. But then she's had all these tumors that have been growing on her liver and on her lungs that aren't cancerous, that are scary. And her lung capacity's decreased and, you know, and, 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 um, mm. there's, there's a big list of things that she struggles with, but, uh, right now, um, where she's at now, she has a, she has a BiPAP machine at night. Um, she has feeds that she does at night, feeds and fluids, um, because she can't take anything orally by mouth. Um, she has a really hard time some days remembering or processing information because of the amount of medications that she's on. Um, there's, there's a lot. Just so much. Is um, this, but like, but like I said, she's a, she's a trooper. Are these like, sorry, I, don't understand obviously all this stuff but um are these uh-huh. like side effects from yeah i guess i should have explained that better so okay. so a lot of these things are side effects from cancer and from the surgery she had like that big mm-hmm. scar i was talking about earlier mm-hmm. um her cancer was in her in her stomach uh, okay. she had a big cantaloupe sized tumor in there that they had to remove and so it was pushing on parts weird and the surgery was really invasive and so over the years, things have just kind of started to slowly degrade. Mm. Um, her lung capacity obviously got pretty shot from all the treatment. Um, but like, you know, you and I, we function on two healthy lungs um, at 100% capacity, you know, mm-hmm. or 98 or I don't even know, right? But for her, between the two of her lungs, she has 27% functionality. Wow. Um, so she's... She's, you know, pretty diminished in that aspect. Um, she's lost some sense of hearing and some sense of like seeing her, her sight and her hearing um, aren't up to snuff from the treatment. Um, her, her lack of being able to absorb food is from her treatment as well. And so she can eat for pleasure. Um, she eats, you know, treats and stuff like that that are yummy to her, but she can't eat anything and have that count as like nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has a, she has a big feeding tube in her stomach, um, that we hook up her feeds to every day. And that's where we put her medicine in. you know, we have to crush all of her meds. Um, and those are all just side effects from treatment. Uh, you know, she has, they, they thought they diagnosed her with sleep apnea a few months ago because of, um, how bad her body twitches and everything at night from all the pain. And so, like I said, she's on a whole bunch of meds to counteract all the effects of treatment. And then these meds, you know, make her act a certain way on top of everything else. And so she, she goes through the ringer every single day, just for her to wake up is, is a blessing and an mm-hmm. example to me. Wow. Um, but where we're, where we're, where we're stuck at right now, I shouldn't say stuck, but where we're at currently, you know, we live with her family. Um, but back in December, they decided to have the the tumors on her liver biopsied because they were concerned that it was cancer and and the biopsy went wrong and she started to bleed out internally and everything and 
And, you know, throughout the course of our three years of marriage, we've been told a few times that she wasn't going to make it through the night because of certain things or an infection or how she was feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, But this most recent time, like when she started to bleed out internally, she was in the ICU. I remember um, I left after the biopsy because they said everything went great. And I left with her mom to go to the grocery store. And when I came back in, you know, I hear the lady announcing over the comm like, hey, code this and that in room that and I was like that's my wife's room and I come walking through the front door and the front desk lady just has this pale face look at me and I just ran to Lexi's room and I got walk in and her stomach and and her chest are turning all black and purple and I was like oh that's not good and we spent a few weeks in the ICU down there and and they said she's not getting out of here Um, so we thought she was gonna die down there and and that you know like i said i've heard a bunch of times throughout our marriage that lexi's gonna die or she's not making it through the night and mentally and emotionally that really messes with you mm-hmm. um and then having her make it out of it every single time i'm like Ooh, okay we dodged a bullet and then they say it again and i'm like crap and it's like how many times can they say this and uh but this this most recent time felt legit um, and I saw how, how rough she was and the doctor just came to me and just pretty much said, look, if she doesn't die here in the ICU, she's going to die in the spring. Um, and, and so that's what we planned for. And they sent her home on hospice and, um, you know, for a, for a really long time there for a few months, she was, um, she was on hospice. She was on a whole bunch of pain medications and just it wasn't looking too fun or too hot for us. Mm. And here we are, you know, 10 months after that. And she got off of hospice, you know, back in March. And she's just slowly fighting every single day to be just 1% better. And she's doing great. She's doing amazing. Wow. I'm like speechless. I mm-hmm. I mean, I remember how hard it was to be a newlywed right. and like at those ages, like young 20s. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine throwing cancer into the wool. I know. I can't imagine <laughs> what you guys, you two, you and Lexi and your families go through. Yeah. All, yeah. You know, it's, it's quite the adventure. Yeah. I'll, I'll say. Well, and just to care for her, like, and mm-hmm. to watch her suffer. And mm-hmm. you're a strong person. Yes. That's. Bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, people are. I, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Lexi's Lexi's really the the superhero of the story. But she you know, like I it. I'm sure I'm sure as mothers, you know, with the challenges that you've been through with your your children, you know, you I'm I, I'm certain that you've told yourself, man, I would rather take this trial on mm-hmm. than let my kid go through it, right? And so yep. I think not not that going through whatever the difficulty is is easier but man watching sucks mm-hmm. not watching. being able to help yeah sucks. like you can't fix it yeah right and yeah. and for me for me you know understanding what cancer has been like and what i've been through twice mm-hmm. i was like yeah that sucks but i can do that again like yeah i'll i'll, I'll do it again mm. if if absolutely necessary mm-hmm. um you know i really don't want to um, but that's a pain that I've been through and that I can relate to and I know I can do. Um, 
but man, just sitting here and, and being told, you know, I, I literally can't count how many times I've had different doctors. It's not even the same doctor. It's like different doctors say, Hey, she's going to die tonight or Hey, she's going to die this week. You know, like the mental and emotional. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so worn out. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I joke with people that, that I'm broken. Um, but, and I, and I, I, I'm a happy personality. At least I like to think so. I don't like to be sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember I had a conversation with somebody a while ago and, and they were struggling pretty bad because their, their husband was going through a, a month long stay in the hospital. And that was the first time that they'd ever had a, a seriously, you know, physical trial in their family. And she just, she just kind of told me, she's like, how in the world do you do it? How in the world do you get up every day and keep a smile on your face? And, and obviously I don't have a great answer, but I just jokingly said, I just, I've just mastered my depression. (laughs) I've just mastered the fact that this sucks and that, that I can't control that. Um, But that's, but that's really all that it is. Like we can't, yeah, we can't control we can't control what happens every day, but we can control how we approach every day. And, um, you know, the mental and emotional and spiritual trauma or anxieties that I face as her husband watching her every day are, are something that I'll definitely, uh, I'll happily deal with to, to support her. Mm-hmm. Um, she always thinks she's a burden on us. And the truth mm-hmm. is that we're, we're grateful that we get to struggle alongside her, even though we're not the ones struggling physically the way she does. Yeah. We're, we're happy that we get to support her and show her that we are there by her side. And that's, that's hard, you know, um, not patting myself or our families on their backs or anything, you know, her siblings are great and her parents are phenomenal. Um, but that's, that's just a different level of bull crap mm-hmm. to deal with when you're sitting and watching somebody do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just, I'm, I feel so bad. Like mm-hmm. I just want to give Lexi a big hug. I know I do too. Like poor girl. She, she gives good hugs. <laughs> give her a hug. She would love it. Oh. Well, and I love the advice, like, cause I hear yourself repeat it throughout this whole episode. Um, just in a different way, using different words, but the advice that your dad gave to you at the very mm-hmm. beginning, I don't know if you've noticed, but you said that, through this episode just in different ways yeah so yeah and i do i love that advice it, it's good I, advice. I mean it to me you know this life is about trials this life is about learning and growing you know what what good is it if we come to this earth and have everything handed to us and we don't have to learn ever right mm-hmm. you know i lexi lexi and i had the chance to to speak on a podcast a few, you know, weeks ago. And, and they kind of asked, asked us a question and and I don't remember what it was, but my answer essentially was like, you know, I hear parents all the time say, man, I wish that my kids don't ever have to struggle. And I'm like, I get where that's coming from. Like Mm -hmm. I get that's coming from the deepest part of your heart and with all all the love possible, but what good does that do for your kids Mm -hmm. or what good does that do for your family members? If they never struggle, you know, if everything's taken care of for them, if everything's always handed to them, how are they going to learn? You know, Mm -hmm. there has to be a defining moment in every person's life where they say, okay, 
I'm either going to curl up in a ball and die or I'm going to rise up and I'm going to become who I need to become right now. And so, yeah, like you said, ever since, ever since my dad told me that, like, that's been, that's been with me. It's like burned in my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that scene I can, I can draw from it any second that I need to. Um, and I just think it's so important that people understand that, like, you're going to have your challenges and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But your challenges don't define you. What you do with your challenges defines you. Yeah, I agree. You're a wise man. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question. You kind of already were asked this by that lady that asked you how you get through your day. But my question to you is, um, well, two questions. What advice would you give people in a similar situation? And um, my other question is what has really helped you like in your dark moments where you do feel depression, what has helped you see the light? I like that. You know, what I would, what I would say, I'm going to have, you're going to have to remind me what the second part is. Um, but what I would, what I would say to people who, who are trying to figure out how to do it every single day is, is find your why, you know, why do you do this every day? Um, you know, for some people, their why is, um, you know, I have, I have a faith that everything's going to be okay for others. Their why is, um, I want to be alive or I want to, you know, get through the day because I want to do this activity, you know, the why, the, the why varies, mm-hmm. um, but you have to find the why you do it every day. My why is to make sure that Alexis lives the fullest life that she can because she's fought too hard to just be here. Right. And so my, my mission every single day is what can I do today to be a better husband, to be a better provider so that we can capitalize on the time that she has here. Um, you know, because the truth is Alexis and I, when we both got married, we were both, we both came to the realization that we're not going to be that 80 year old couple sitting on the front porch in our rocking chair, right? Like our health history just doesn't, (laughs) doesn't, you know, um, support that, that, um, dream that, you know, most people have. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so the first thing I would say is find your why. Why do you do it every day? If you're the spouse of somebody struggling, why do you battle every single day? Why do you get up and love them every single day? You know, obviously, if you're motivated by love, it's not that hard to figure out why. Um, But sometimes it can be hard to understand what you're really fighting for. I hope that answered the question. No, it did perfectly. Um, um, the The second part... If I remember correctly, you said, what have I done for myself Mm -hmm. to drag me out of dark days? Yes. And the truth is, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, okay. (laughs) I am, I am, I am really, really bad at doing things for myself. Um, My family is constantly reminding me that I need to take care of myself to keep being a good caretaker for Lexi. Um. And so I, I don't have like a, 
I don't have like a set this works or I don't have like a, you know, every day I wake up and I do this because I know if I do this, I'm going to have the, you know, ability to get through the day. I, I wish I've, I wish I would have figured that out by now. Um, but if I did have to answer that, you know, there's, there's two things that I do every single day before I start my day. Well, three things actually, but every single morning that I wake up, I say a prayer. I thank God that I have another day and that I have Lexi with me for another day. Um, that's first and foremost. And, and, you know, for, for people who don't believe in God or don't believe in, in religion or anything like that, you know, that can simply look at just like being thankful that you have another day on earth, you know, um, but, but you have to be grateful every single day. And that's what I've done. And then my second thing that I've, that I do is, is I read my scriptures. Um, you know, I was, I was promised a long time ago that if I, if I took the time to study the word of God every single day that I'd personally be protected. And so I've done that. Um, and then the third thing that I do is I look over at Lexi and I give her a kiss on her forehead and then I get out of bed and I go do my thing. And I know that if I've done those three things that I've done what I can to remember why I'm here and what I'm doing. And so, like I said, I don't have, I don't have like a, a set, this fixes all. I don't have a good um, process for other people that will work for them. It's just something small that I've found when I do those things, I know that I've at least started my day off right. And then whatever happens throughout the course of the day, whether I'm having a bad day or a good day, um, I just kind of try and tackle it as I go. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a great example of what you should do to start your day off and Ethan, you know, it works for you. I know it works for a lot of people and you just, you don't, you don't stop what works. How do you word that? Don't fix what's not they, broken. Don't, don't, don't fix what ain't <laughs> That's broken. That's what I was exactly. trying to say, and I sat here and stuttered. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ricky, okay. it's been so good to talk to you, and I just yeah, love your you. outlook, and I can't imagine what you guys go through. Like, mm -hmm. I can't imagine how it feels to be in your shoes or in Lexi's shoes, like, mm -hmm. Kudos to you guys for right. fighting every day and for loving each other. Yeah. And just, I wish you guys both the best. Mm -hmm. And keep sharing Thank your you. story. Yeah. Always share your Thank story. Thank you. Yeah. We, we, we love, we love to do it. You know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, as, as you guys know, and as I'm sure all the other people that have spoken on your podcast know, like life, life can be hard. Life can suck. Yeah. Um, but you have to learn to fall in love with the life that you have. And for us, you know, granted, things aren't hard, um, but somebody's always got it harder. And so we've just learned to love being in the moment. Yeah. And that's also easier said than done sometimes. Yeah. But I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you guys giving me the chance to remember why I love my life. Because <laughs> it really is. It really is fun. Um, and it's it's really awesome to watch one of the strongest people this earth has ever seen just work on it every single day like yeah like i have a front row view to one of the greatest things ever so i can't complain mm -hmm. oh that is so cute that is cute you tell her hello from yeah. us give her a big hug <laughs> yes. i definitely will yes. yep you know it uh, i can do that but 
I appreciate you guys' time. Thank you so very, very of much. Of course. Thank you for being here. And thank you, everyone, for You're listening. Welcome.